What's up, rockers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on Facebook. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at TalkLouder underscore podcast. And of course, our website, TalkLouderPodcast.com. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And uh, today's guest is a, a guy that uh, Jason just recently spent some time on the tour bus with. We have Accept guitarist Philip Schaus on the show today. Philip is currently employed full time with Accept and uh, has done a number of uh, tours with Gene Simmons and Ace Fraley and their respective solo bands. Guys just got stories for days, man. Um, and and he could pass for your twin. <laughs> yeah, you know that was when I when I met him the first time. He um, it was the the day of the first gig that I was doing with Accept, and he came, he had come to my room with some uh, emergency because the whole camp was snorting and blowing their nose and, you know, Everybody's every, sick. everyone was kind of like a little bit sicky. So they were battling it with, with emergency and, and, you know, uh, rest and just trying to take care of themselves. And he comes by and he, he brings me some emergency and I, I had never met him before uh let alone was very certain what he looked like so he opens the door and i'm like oh he's just a another blonde kid you know he just looks you know like the same so but when we came down later for lobby call he was uh he he you know he had his hair down and and we were all right we were gig ready you know yeah <clears throat> waiting for the uber to show up because the bus is already at the venue so and it's like, wow, okay, what? It's kind of the same. It's the same, you know, <laughs> sort of like Jeff Spicoli, you know, rocker hair. Everything's kind of all one link, you know, sort of like can't really tell how old we are. Somewhere between forty and sixty. <laughs> <laughs> we were lucky to have the hair we had, depending have. on how much sleep you had. Right, and and people are yeah, the other guys in the band who who I hadn't met yet, other than Uva and Wolf we're walking up and they're seeing me me and philip sitting next to each other and they're like they're breaking out their phone state this is hilarious you know i'm like i don't know do we use the same same hair straightener i don't i don't know we were you know the jokes were flying and and so yeah, yeah it wasn't a planned thing but i guess we do in some light we we do kind of kind of look like each other i'd say you could pass for each other and and it was funny he was telling us i don't know if it made it onto the onto camera or not but he was telling us that he was even approached at some some of those accept gigs by fans that had dangerous toys albums who, who knew off. i was there they knew yeah. i was in that gonna right. be in they, the house and they brought their toys shit to get right and, but they handed it to philip <laughs> right well, <laughs> i wasn't around i guess they they saw him thinking it was me and I wasn't around. I was on the bus or I was in the restroom or who knows. He had to, he had to break the news that uh, I'm not Jason McMaster. That's hilarious. And I would have even, I wouldn't have even thought it would have gone that far. Cause it was, it was a five minute joke. It wasn't a five day joke. Right. Um, the guy is great. The guy is a fantastic, phenomenal musician. And yeah. he's the coolest guy ever. He's so humble and so nice and, uh, has worked extremely hard to get the gigs 
and uh, the the just the knowledge that he has, the 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 experiences that he had uh, so far in his career are well deserved because of just how real the guy is. It's not a surprise that he gets along with Wolf so well because Wolf is a machine, um, and he's very. Uh, realistically making decide decisions about songs and you know he he doesn't play wrong notes you know yeah. and and philip is like that too so it's no surprise that he's working with wolf he's in accept or that uh he got those gene and ace gigs because it's the same reason he's meticulous yeah and professional yeah. And we should uh, we should point out uh, that not only is he in accept as a touring uh, guitarist, but he also recorded the latest album, Too Mean to Die. So yes. he's on an accept album. He's yes. a permanent member of the band. Yes. Um, and yeah, it's not a bad resume if if you can say that I play with Accept and Gene Simmons and Ace Frey. <laughs> no, no, that's like that's like covering every base as far as rock and metal. Yeah, you, I'd you, say you're doing all right. Yeah, I'd say so too. And you have to be able to play. You can't and sing. You have to have yeah. all the. He's a full package. He's a total pro. Yeah, uh, I love it. I love it that he was uh, had the time to to spend with us today. Uh, yeah, I I. Uh, uh, I just can't, you know, it's, I can't say enough nice things about, about him and getting to work with him, but the fact that it wasn't even that long ago, you saw him playing bass with Ace. Right. Yeah. Opening uh, for Alice Cooper in Austin. Right. About a year ago. Yeah. And so he, when he, when he works with Ace Fraley, he's the bass player. And right. when he works with Gene Simmons, he's one of the guitar players right. and it, except he's one of the guitar players. Right. So with Ace, I saw him as the bass player and uh, I mentioned in the show and I'll, I'll mention it again here. Uh, Ace's, the reviews for Ace's last tour were very specific in pointing out just how tight his band was. Like he put together a heck of a band or inherited it from Gene Simmons as we'll find out. But uh, he came on stage with a lot of firepower this last time. And I saw it, I heard it and everything that you said, uh, the dueling guitars, the, the harmonized vocals. I mean, I've seen Ace a lot of times and I think that's the best I've ever seen him as a, as a solo performance. And a lot of that has to do with the band. Yeah, that that says a lot. Well, you know, I I I talked about that with Philip just a little bit when went on the road, and uh, he's like like most of us those those old Kiss songs. It's in, he's and I quote, "It's in my DNA." Yeah, it's in yeah. my DNA. I can play those songs in my sleep, pretty right. much verbatim. Um, right. So I I knew we were going to be friends. You know, when he yeah. said that Kiss is in his DNA, I was like. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're going to get along famously. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. The guys, the guys, I can't, like I said, I can't say enough nice things about him. And, and, and probably he, I can see him not surrounding himself with people who are not professional and not profoundly in love with the job of rock and roll and playing rock and roll and touring rock and roll on a bus, on a plane, in a cab, uh, on a boat. Uh, you, there's a way that you have to be, you can't, you can't be, go crazy. It's not party time. It's work time. Yeah. And you can still have fun with your job. Obviously with the stories he's going to, that you're going to hear Philip Schaus tell us today, obviously he's there to have a good time. 
but yeah. it's very professional. There, it's not just a crazy, uh, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And that's why his phone rings. So that's right. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. We should bring him in and hear from him. Philip Schaus on the Talk Louder podcast today. <laughs> to science and dangerous toys merch on the uh on those shows <laughs> really so that's, yeah i honestly yeah. did i got really i forgot where i forgot where it was it was after the show and um and some folks came over like oh man awesome job i was like oh thanks you guys thanks and handed me like the first dangerous toys albums i was looking with that ain't me dude wow <laughs> <laughs> did they believe you they did believe me. I hope so. Or or they think you're a big asshole, one of the two. <laughs> oh, that's perfect because, you know. Just, Probably wouldn't just, be the first time. Fat, just, should I say thank you? Just, no. spread, just spreading, your, spreading your good name around as much as I can. You should have just signed the shit. <laughs> Probably should have. Um, Wilt I, Chamberlain. I was, well, I was... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you can just hold up your arms and go, yeah, because I had my tattoos removed. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> I had them, yeah. I had them, um, I had, so I had them shrunk down to like two. So yeah, that's yeah. it. Or you could have said, you could have said a plethora of things. Oh yeah. Yeah. You could have, you could have spun out of that many, many different ways. Like, oh, well, I, I removed my tattoos and got these two instead <laughs> yeah i took the money i saved and uh <laughs> so we're we're obviously on the subject of uh of jason being with you and except for a few days uh did, were you aware of jason happy uh, halloween <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. were, were you were you aware of jason did you know jason prior? Oh, oh yeah so he I, does I, 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 I didn't know him, um, but I knew mm. of him, obviously. Like, I, you know, grew up at the prime time for Headbangers Ball and, you know, knew about toys and then knew about broken teeth, um, knew about sad wings. We had mutual friends with a couple of my close friends here in Nashville, um, Shane Crocker and Brandy mm. Goldsboro. And, mm. and uh, but we had never, I'd never met Jason personally, but I definitely knew of him. And, you know, he was well on my, uh, on my radar. Yeah. So when his name came up, it was like, yes, get that guy. It's like he's he's the one. Yeah. So so tell me about his name coming up. How did that trickle through the accept camp? You guys are looking for a singer and his name comes up. So how do how are you aware of what names are circulating uh, in the lottery there? It was a text from Wolf and it was a cover of Shark, Fast as the Shark that that, that Jason was involved in and I looked and I just saw Jason I went oh my god it's like yeah that's the guy it's like he's he, he sings great that but I'm like I've you know he does this and this and this and this and this and he goes oh okay I kind of filled Wolf in on you know a little bit of the history of Pastor Master from the Church of Disaster so <laughs> wow I, I, <laughs> that's awesome but yeah I, I was I was really stoked because we were racking our brains for people because it's not that easy of a gig and it's not like, oh, yeah, we'll just get this guy. He'll come in and do some, you know, sing some, you know, it's not like doing, you know, random cover stuff. It's it's a very specific thing that needs to to be there. Um, and so we couldn't think of anybody. And then I forgot, I don't know if anybody sent that to Wolf or if he found it doing a search. Um, but yeah, I was all, that was, I was all for it once the, 
that name came up. Absolutely. Well, I, pre I appreciate you you gunning for me, uh, but the way that Wolf ended up with uh, t two uh, files, uh, they were on YouTube. One was Watchtower mm -hmm. doing Run If You Can, and one was uh, Shark uh, Igniter, my band Igniter doing Shark. Okay, okay, yeah, that's and, the one he and, sent me. Okay, yeah, cool. and I had sent those to Ed Aborn. So Ed, Ed Aborn was a was a giant player in the whole thing, and and now okay, I feel very, like okay, he's, cool. now I feel like he's my like my lost long, you know, buddy or something, uh, <laughs> long lost buddy because, um, you know, the siren. I watched the siren film, and now I kind of know a lot about Ed as to where I didn't really know about him at all, and, and it was Mark that that filled me in about Ed's background and his story and everything. Gotcha. Um. I mean, I, I guess I could ask you, do you know Ed? I don't know Ed. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I'm just wondering how it's an, it's for another day, but I'm wondering how he, he and uh, Wolf are, are buddies or friends. That's it's, it's always cool. I'll start to, I'll talk to Wolf about something, you know, just whatever random subject and I'll bring up somebody's name and Wolf ends up knowing them for, you know, wow. three decades. Wow. Um, that happens. That happens a lot. Oh. And uh, with national people and non-national people, so it's right. uh, it's, it's pretty 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 fun. Right. Amazing. So you you and uh, and a good bit of except are based out of Nashville now. Is that right? Four out of six of us are Nashville based. Yes. I had no idea until Jason got the gig, and then I was like, "What? There? You know? I, of course, we recognize them and remember them as being a band from Germany. You know? Right. And I didn't know that the majority of them were living in Nashville now, which is kind of explains how you came into the picture, I guess. Right. I think. Well, I think Wolf may have been the first non-country guy to move here. He's been here for thirty years. Wow. I think over thirty years now. So he was first. So he lived here. You know, he kind of like, he didn't start the movement, but he's been here for thirty years. Um, I know. Then Peter Baltus had moved here, um, but only like in two thousand thirteen or fourteen or something like in the early tens, early two thousand tens. Then Mark's still in Jersey. Christopher had got the gig. Christopher Williams, a drummer, had gotten the gig in twenty fifteen, I think, um, and he's here. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, four, six, or two-thirds, depending on whether you want right. to round down or not. I was just wow. saying, I, I was walking, I was coming back, you know, scratching my head going, so everyone is in Nashville except for Uva. And Mark. A and Mark, right, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah, so Mark's in Germany, Yeah, and Mark's in Jersey, yeah. Right, right, right. So, but, I mean, as far as, like, Germans... Uh, actually, it's three and three. That yeah, we have three right. Germans yeah, and right. three Americans. That's Two right. Of the three Germans live in Nashville. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's kind of. <laughs> We're doing what math, math here. Going on here. It's yeah, a lot it's, of happening. It's, it's not funny, but it's just uh, curious, you know, because like what yeah. Dave said a second ago, it's just like, except as a German metal band. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're okay. Phil, Phil, if you're out on the road uh, and Mark is starting to get a little under the weather and you see that there's going to be an issue, what kind of panic is running through the accept camp at that time? Is there any consideration of scrapping the rest of the tour or is it immediate that you just need to find another singer and keep going? 
I don't think that it was ever that canceling the tour was ever even an option. It was just like it was too important. We hadn't done this in I think the band hadn't done a full proper tour of America in twelve years. And it was it was like, all right, we you know, to, to stick with the theme of the tour, we are too mean to die. Uh and we and we we have to we have to do this somehow. And then we were just like kind of sitting there going, who do who do we get? And then it was then it became like, oh man, wow, this is really happening. Mark is really sick. Mm-hmm. Um, I can you know we and we all can play sick, right? You know I can play without a voice. I can play with the cold. I can play you know with whatever reason the singers cannot do it. Um, and so then it became wasn't ever panic for me, but I'm like you know I'm not the one running running anything, right. so. I'm sure, and, and if you know, if, if Wolf was panicking, he definitely wasn't showing it either. Wolf handles stress and handles, um, you know, those you know things that happen on the road. He handles them with with a lot of grace and uh, and calm. I'm you know, for, for a forty plus year career, I'm sure we'll do that to your to you. Yeah, uh, he just handles things and gets it done. And we just kind of started looking at names, and uh, then it was just like, okay, we did one, the Toronto was the day he got sick and we didn't know if he was going to see a doctor and if he was going to get some shot that was going to make him pull through the show. Well, it was down to the wire, so we could not cancel that one. So that was the one where we did without a singer. Right. And Christopher our, Christopher sang and played drums. He pulled the Dean Castronovo and, wow. and muscled through it and did a really good job, actually. I was, <laughs> I was, I was very impressed. And we did what we could for that one, and the next one we just could not do, so we had some notes. We canceled that one, and then we jumped on with Jason. So it was, it was plow through. You know, it was like we have to get this done, and we're going to do it, and we're going to make it work, and we're heavy metal soldiers, and we're going to do it. So, yeah. Um, luckily, luckily, Jason was ready and willing uh, and available. Yeah, and uh, I had to make it, I know, had he, to make some quick changes. Uh, <laughs> You know, I did. I did the math. I did the math, and and not to drag it through the mud, but it was literally spot on at about nineteen hours that I, from the time that I got the call to the time that I got on the plane, nineteen yeah. hours. Wow. Um, yeah, you know, it, I'm I'm biased, of course, but I was thinking of the fans, you know, and it's like, oh, what a bummer they that Mark is is ill and 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 can't take the stage. But then I'm like stoked because my buddy's going to sing for Accept. How rad is that? And then you know, Mark comes back and Jason and Mark start tag team in the set, and I'm thinking to myself as a fan, I'm thinking, man, that is a really special. Uh, gig, you know, what an occasion to two singers on stage. So the people that were maybe missing Mark, they had him back. And the people that are never going to see Jason fronting except again, they get to see that. So what a cool situation if you were at one of those couple of gigs. Those were really fun. It was like that was a big heavy metal party. Yeah. Because yes, when they tag team, it was, you know, Mark would take the verse and Jason would be high fiving people in the crowd and yeah. singing and then, and then vice versa. You know, it was it was really cool. It was like we had a like there was a, a hype man. Uh, also, <laughs> those were a lot. Those hey, were if, a lot of fun. If there, was we a, all, if, if there was such a thing as heavy metal cartwheels, I think I was trying to do those because I was pretty happy. There is, yeah, <laughs> there is definitely such a thing as that. Yeah. Those, yeah, those were a lot of fun. We all loved it. We loved like 
we just loved we loved having Jason out. It was not only he was helped us out so much vocally, but it just he was a good vibe and a good energy um, to to be around. And we all really like I can speak on behalf of the band and the crew that we really enjoyed having you out. Yeah, I, really I, I appreciate the love there. And, and uh, I've been telling everyone who, you know, uh, it, it is is proud, uh, it, are huge Accept fans. I mean, they might be bigger Accept fans now the way they reacted to the whole thing about how you guys just, it was like, you can't leave a man, you can't leave no, leave no man behind, leave no show behind. Mm -hmm. Leave right. no song behind, you know, and you guys just like came through. And when you think about it, Mark only missed two shows. Technically, you canceled one, I think. You, you right? Yep. Officially, yeah. one came Toronto, off, yeah. came off the itinerary, but there was only two that he officially physically missed. Right. And that's amazing. And then, uh, yeah, I watched some of the gigs that you did uh, the last week of the tour, and I was like strength yeah strength, and everyone yeah. was so happy and uh it's kind of a historical moment if even if i wasn't involved at all if i take myself out of the whole thing it's kind of this weird historical moment uh in in my head anyway yeah. for a heavy metal fan right that's what i was yeah. that's what i was trying to say yeah. you said it better than i but yeah what a historical moment to see two vocalists up there and one of them being the guy you paid to see in the first place so jason of course is like icing on the cake and then of course as as philip said he's kind of the hype man doing the high fives and getting the crowd fired up and which is awesome you know? uh mark it mark was, was uh mark was so uh gracious as well uh i have to say his he was just very very cool about the whole thing and uh that was important to me because you know i was kind of standing in his way kind of a thing you know i mean i I was kind of hired gun to be standing in the way, but he was like welcoming me into his area. And I was like, Oh my God, this could have gone the other way. Cause it's like, man, I feel fine. What's this asshole still doing here? And I know that. And it wasn't like that at all. But it had, that had as, it has as much to do with, with, with you, Jason, as it is anything else, because your energy was right. And you went, you looked at it the correct way and just, you, you know, you just kind of went every, went, you understood. And, yeah. you know, that's one reason why it wasn't is because you were just super cool to be on the road and, and we loved having you. And it was like, well, and Mark was still, I, I think at that point it was like, well, I can, but I probably, you know, he was still, he was still down yeah. um, and not a hundred percent. And so that helped. I think it probably helped him maybe ramp back up. So it wasn't like just off, 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 off. And then bam. Yeah. Also, you right. know, and it's, yeah. it's, um, it's a chore, man. I don't, I don't know how he gets through one show when he's healthy. Right. Um, it's just such a, it is such an incredible vocal gig. Um, that it's just, yeah, he's a, he defies logic if you ask me. So, uh, yeah, I think it may have been may have been a help to to you know kind of do partial shows in before that. I w I would like I would like to think so. Uh, yeah, not everybody has a wingman when you're on the mend, you know. So right, um, or a cheerleader like me. 
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. A wing leader, wing leader, yeah. cheer man. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> now that we now, now that we know how Jason got the accept gig, how how did you get the gig? Yeah. And, yeah, this, <laughs> Perfect. I mean, uh, if I, I think you 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 got the offer in like 2019, is that right? Yeah, to actually join, I had done my first accept in, uh, involved show was at Vakken in 2017. Uh, I was part of Wolf's um, head, the classical part, the Headbanger Symphony, and they were doing a 30 minute little segment in their in a Vakken headlining slot, and it was going to be. It's classical pieces arranged for four-piece metal band and orchestra. So we're doing Mozart, Vivaldi, like all these actual classical pieces with an 80-piece orchestra behind us. So wow. that was my first thing, and that was what I thought was going to be it. It's on a DVD, uh, excuse me, in a live album, but that was going to be it. But in 2019, they arranged a um, six-week tour of Europe. It was the Symphonic Terror. So it was going to be that same concept, but except songs and classical music this time uh, with orchestras behind it. So whatever city we were going to be in, we we're going to use the local um, orchestra. And so Uva couldn't do it. And so Wolf called me, he goes, you still remember some of these things we're going to do this. And, but you know, you're going to play the except songs too. And sure. Uh, I had just gotten called that day that the uh, Alice Cooper, Ace Fraley tour had just fallen through in 19. So my entire spring opened up and then Gabby Hoffman called me, said, what are you doing in this? Like, I got nothing. What do you got? So it was, that was perfect. And so we did that whole six weeks and then got, I think we got home and then we had a couple more one-off dates. And then Wolf asked me if I just wanted to join, uh, join the band. And I said, I was hoping you were going to ask me to the dance. Uh, Yeah, I'd love to. So. Wow. That's, that's how that's, I kind of joined as a member. What kind of challenges uh, are you up against when you're mixing metal with an 80 piece orchestra? What kind of rehearsal takes place for that? Good question. Lots. Yeah. Lots and lots and lots of rehearsal. Yeah. Uh, the main thing for the Vakken rehearsal that, that there were so many moving parts in this thing and so many eyes and J's to dot and T's to cross and all that stuff. And Wolf is extremely good at seeing things like that and getting everything taken care of ahead of time. One problem we didn't see happening with Bakken was how loud Christopher Williams plays drums and we were rehearsing in a little symphony hall. It was, they, 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 their heads were going to explode, the symphony members. I mean, because we're, the way we play, we're directing to Kemper's, so we have no stage volume, right? So we're all in-ears. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't foresee this problem. And so Christopher started, we sit down and make it through a half a song, and it's just like nobody can hear anything except drums. So they end up in completely encasing Christopher in this, like, 360 on top of him, around him, this case just to contain his sound. And he's just pouring sweat in there. Um, so that was, the, now the gig was outdoors. So that was fine. But so for the tour that we did in 19, it was electric drums. Mm. And so that fixed that. So pretty much, because and then we started thinking about like, how did Deep Purple do this in 69? Because they were the loudest band on earth. 
Right. You know, and it's all these, everybody's got three stacks behind them. And plus John Ward is going, you know, goes, it's like, how did that happen? Um, and so, because we're already, you've got a lot fixed with us because we're just, all the guitars are no stage volume. So then with Christopher, with no drum volume, that was the final, um, the final piece of the puzzle to kind of put together. And for all the moving parts that were involved in that, I can't really think of one hiccup that we had on the tour. Wow. On the 19 tour, it was pretty incredible how smoothly all that ran. Um, with a new, pretty much a new orchestra every night that had been, of course, practicing ahead of time. And all their, when you're, when you're that at that level, you just read sheet music and you're on it because you can read everything, but uh, they had been practicing on it um, before we got there. So yeah, it was, um, it was, it ran incredibly smooth. What do your audiences look like at that kind of gig? Is it is it mostly heavy metal fans and accept fans, or do you actually have uh, classical music fans coming out because of the orchestra? Uh, no, it was metal fans. Yeah, um, it was uh, you know, and I think uh, th- that wouldn't necessarily work over here, but over there, yeah. uh, it did work well. We were playing um, in the same kind of halls we always play, you know, bigger theaters and. Um, and places like that, some pretty big halls we, we played and did well in. And uh, it's just, um, yeah, the audience, I think, was more receptive to, I mean, they know the Accept songs. Right. And then, you know, some of the classical pieces that we played were, were very famous, too. Maybe not my name, but when it starts, you're like, oh, yeah, that one. Right. You know, right. not on not on Bald Mountain and, you know, things like that that we did that were, you know, Swan Lake and things like that, which were very, and it was a very cool interpretation of it. Wolf did a really good job. And, um, the kind of the, the main MD on that, uh, Mayo Mafali passed away a couple of years ago. And uh, he was this awesome Italian, uh, piano player and he was piano with us, but he was the, or he was, he did all the orchestration for it too. And worked with Wolf on how to do everything. And he was a great guy. So he's, he's, uh, sorely missed, but he wow. did a really excellent job with adapting the orchestra to the accept songs and then also adapting a metal band to the classical pieces. So it was, made, it, made it, was history. A lot of, it was a lot of fun. Made history yeah, it was a, guys. yeah. Yeah. It weighed it. Um, it actually, I mean, except it's always had that element to its original music anyway, with, you know, furry Lease being in metal heart and all those things. So it was a really good um, match. And uh, I think Melo was the perfect person to help Wolf get all of that together. Wow. That's amazing, man. Uh, so did you, um, is it safe to say that your initial, uh, contact with Wolf is because the two of you are based in Nashville? Yeah. And it was also through Christopher Williams because I've, I've known Christopher for probably 15 years now. Wow. Right. Um, and we've done so many gigs, you know, before and after I got the accept gig. So we were always playing together and I I'm pretty sure that that's where my name came. I'm not, I'd known, I knew Peter at that time too, Peter Baltus, um, ex bass player. So I knew Peter at the time too. So I think that when it came up for, we need a guy for the classical stuff. I think, I think it was Christopher and Peter going, now you should talk to Philip. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember your first show with accept? Oh, Vakken. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's wow. kind of, you mean, you, you dang, mean as a member or, or with just uh, playing with the guys? 
uh, as a, as a, I mean, I'm trying to get at what's going through your head the first time you step on stage to play these songs that you remember as a kid and you're up there with Wolf Hoffman and you're like, here it goes. I'm off to the races. It, it was, it was different because with the, uh, with, when we did the 19 show, I was still filling in and I was crammed in a corner. Mm-hmm. And then as the tour went on, I started getting moved over. Like my mic started getting moved over to the center. <laughs> and then promoted. once they learned, once they learned that I was, I could, you know, I'm actually better at all the moves than I am actually playing guitar. Um, I don't know about then it. Was, that. <laughs> <laughs> then it was, then it, then it, then it was, Oh, okay. Go. Then yeah. It was like, I got the green light to do all the stuff. And, and, um, and then once I became a member you know, I joined in 19 and I only did a handful of shows before everything shut down. So it has been a process figuring out like not, I guess figuring out my role and figuring out my place. And I, because at first I didn't want to be too far, even as a member, I didn't want to be too far in the front mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I totally get like, I, I, I get it. Right. Right. Um, and it's not like I'm coming in, kicking the door down. It's like, all right, I'm here now. Yeah. You know, everything changes. I'm, I can read a room. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very, I'm very conscientious and very careful not to step on anywhere I shouldn't step. Right. But then it was go, Yeah. you know, do your, I, do, I, do your thing. And, <clears> and then it was, then it was on. Being able to say, I've seen it firsthand. Uh, you, are out there doing the moves with Wolf as it's you're you are you are a part of what what an ex, a live accept show should all should be about the classic accept uh, guitar moves with the chug you know uh, you're yeah. you're part of that now and it would be a bummer to go see see some guy in the back, not doing any of that. I mean, there's points of the show where there's everyone up there doing the, <clears throat> the moves with the chug, which is a classic mm. except to move. Yeah. Now, and that's, yeah, that been was... going, that's been going on since the eighties. Everybody knows what I'm talking yeah. about. If you're an except fan. Sure. and that's right. part of yeah. part of the charm, I think. And the audience knows that that movement, you know, that's where you need that's that's okay. Time to headbang, Right. It's, yeah. Part, yeah. It's, part yeah, right. the, it's part of the show. I so, mean, that's my first memory of except for those two white flying V's in, in sync. And that, that, that's as much, that's as much of the part to me as as important as the riffs are. Right. As the music is, is that visual element and all the like the wide legs, all the very like straight angles. I'm yes. always thinking about that stuff when I'm all, when I'm playing those songs, like, all right, this has to look like 86. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I go about it. It's like, it's got to look like that. You know, it has to feel that way. It, and I want to, I want to portray that. It, at and, least to you before it, uh, not to make it sound like you're trying to create a product from the eighties. You're just, you need that song to, to come off the stage correctly. And it's like you said, yes. it's part of, that's part of the riff. It's just as important as the riff. Exactly. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's kind of weird to say, but it but it kind of is. What what about um I mean, let's talk about the three guitar player attack. Yeah. A lot of people don't think about uh you know hard rock bands as having these three guitar players. A lot of the classic bands like uh, Deep Purple 
has the one guitar player. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Van Halen Pantera has the one guitar player. The, okay. Conventionally, they 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 overdub probably about I would say as much as about fifty percent on the record. They'll overdub a rhythm track. Sure, Van Halen and Pantera, just to stick with those two guys. Um, yeah. That's not necessarily the reason why except has three guitar players or is it that you go here's my theory here's where i'm going with this okay. when either uva and wolf are doing the the sync solo harmonizing on these epic you know war battle guitar solos uh i feel like as a fan that's maybe maybe not even conscious of it I need to hear that chuggy chuggy going on with the bass and drums behind it while that epic battle of guitar is on top. You can't, mm -hmm. you don't have that chuggy chuggy guitar when that epic guitar battle is going on if you only have two guitar players. So right. there is this like a uh, bouquet of guitar players for that reason in my head. And I completely get that now. I still think that. Jurgen or John's or Jen's or whatever his name is in Iron Maiden needs to like stay in the back a little more often because he's doing a little bit too many flippity high kick things in my opinion for for my Iron Maiden. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't want to be the Yannick of the band. It's like no, you don't, and you're not, not, and you're not, you're not. To be clear, you're not. So, so when when did Accept become a three guitar band? I, I'm a little unclear on that. Yeah. When I when I joined, because it was um yeah it was, it was yeah we're not gonna we're not substituting you. It's like we're gonna add you in the mix as three guitars, and I think it was just because it was as much of a musical thing as much of what I'm not. I'm going by what I was told. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was as much of that as it was a personal thing. Uh, Wolf liked having me around. Mm -hmm. Um, we really got along well. Uh, not only playing well with the with the the classical stuff and then playing the accept songs that didn't only go well but also off stage um and when we weren't just you know i'm a i'm a pretty easy guy um to um, to get along with and to be on the road with i, I kind of you know i know the ropes and everything i can back you and up i think that, <laughs> thank you i think it was as much that as it was a musical thing yeah. but then to talk about the to emphasize the musical part of it we really microscoped all this stuff. We really didn't have a chance to get through everything until this past summer, because we'd done some shows with the three guitar players in 2019, but we didn't have a chance to get through, to get together and to like go, okay, here we go. We're going to do all this, this, this. So there was a lot of doubling and tripling. So we didn't really get a chance to uh, properly arrange everything until before the summer tour. And man, we took every song apart, every part apart. Um, and not to say that, the, that we're never playing the same parts ever, but when we do, it's when it needs to happen. So we're doubling and tripling things, but then we split off. And even if we're playing the same part or same chord, we're playing in a different part of the neck. So we're making things, you know, with, with guitars, if you want to make something louder, you play the same part together if you want to make something sound bigger you use inversions mm. and that's kind of my favorite thing to do with guitar is take a part that's already there and go oh we can do mm -hmm. play an octave higher and i'll play it here so we did that to every song and Different so we voicings. not only 
Exactly. Yeah. It just adds so much musicality to it. And with people, people kind of like go, we need three guitars for, and first of all, who set the limit at two for rock is because a guitar is a stringed instrument, right? That's all it is. And when you go to the symphony, you don't bitch that there's six violins. No. <laughs> you know, nobody no. ever complains about six violins being in the in the symphony. So because no. they're all playing different parts, just like yeah. you, they double and triple up. Then they all split different things. It's exactly what we're doing. Right. Um, and so with accepts music again, kind of lending itself to the classical thing and the classical mentality. Well, if you look at the guitar as a string instrument, you can have four. You know, if you, if you arrange it properly, where it's not just a muddy mess, and believe we're not, uh, even on the like Fast the Shark, it's you know, it's super tight. I mean, we oh are we are like mosquitoes ass tight with that stuff. Yeah. But then when we're not all locked up playing the same thing, and we do split off into doing different parts, it sounds like a you know a guitar orchestra, um, a guitar me trademark. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, it sounds massive, and I'm really proud with the work that the three of us put in on that stuff. We all really did a good job, and we and there wasn't any egos in it. It was just like, that's my part. I'm going to play, and I'm going to play it great because it adds to the overall sound of it. It's not like, well, that's not the solo. You know, we none of us went that way. It was it was uh really easy dividing it up it was a lot of fun it's obvious it's, like it's obvious that you guys have a lot of respect for each other as guitar players there's not a slouch guitar player and you guys are pumping each yeah. other up the whole time you guys are all three are amazing guitar players so tight didn't miss a note uh i gotta i gotta ask this question because i just don't know yet because i don't have a mm -hmm. copy of the record too mean to die what were you and uva on the record were you yeah. on that record? That's what, okay. Yeah. And what about writing? Were you, you guys collaborating together with Wolf to, to put the songs together for that? Not me, but that was on my own. Uh, the, the offers there, I just didn't have anything okay. worked up that I felt comfortable with, with, uh, with showing him. I just had like, you know, I had like these stupid things on my, duh, 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 singing this dumb riff and my voice, you know, would be singing it. Like, I'm not going to go with that. Um, right. but yeah, that was, that was all on me, but the offer is totally there. It is a band wow. and wow. it's not, it's not Wolf Hoffman's except featuring Wolf Hoffman. And he doesn't, you know, want it to be that way. He's very banned. I mean, it's his band. I'm, I, yeah. I, it's, he's running the show. It's obvious. It, but it, the it sign should, just but says it should be that. It just says except up there on the market. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. say and, anything and else. It says except. He's very band forward. Um, he's very supportive of all of all that stuff, and he's very. And that's why. That's why I'm, you know, got my guitar between his legs half the time. You know, on stage, it's like you know we're we're like that, um, and we have a great relationship. And and it's just he's great. He's very supportive, and he's very. No, you know, he's very band forward. I would I would think that for him, uh, for Wolf, if if Too Mean to Die was the first except album to feature three guitarists, uh, I, I would think for him, after doing this for so many decades, that it was kind of a, a refreshing for him as far as exploring the uh, the opportunities that were now available when it comes time to record. Because what you're describing up to this point is sort of a live situation where you kind of are layering the sound, but you can walk into the studio and do that too. And I think I'm guessing that from Wolf's perspective, 
it might have been like, wow, he's got a brand new toy to play with here. Even yeah, and now even if he's doing overdubs by himself, there we can do all of those because yeah. we even went back to some of the older songs and we listen and go, oh, there's a clean arpeggio part that I can play, you know, that wasn't there before mm-hmm. uh, for the lives for the live stuff. So now he can, you know, with with overdubs and things like that, with layering the stack of guitars, we can now we can do that live now. Yeah. Wow. Man, that's awesome. I mean, and we haven't even started talking about your your other uh, your other endeavors. I want to get into that in just a bit, too. Uh, but you you grew up in Alabama. Is that right? Yeah. 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 I lived there in 80, 88. OK. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I lived in Alabama twice, once in Montgomery and once in Tuscaloosa. And I was too young in Tuscaloosa to really remember it. But I do remember Montgomery. And yeah. uh, so I was curious to know when you were living there, what kind of scene was there? Because you don't think of Alabama and especially the city where you, you're from Decatur. Yeah, from Decatur. And I'll, I'll be honest, I never even heard of it. So what kind of what kind of rock and roll scene is there when you're a kid growing up in Decatur, Alabama? Um, it was as far as the rock and roll scene, I was a bit I was young and uh, and, and pretty uh, and sheltered. So as far as like going out and stuff, I was in high school. But the history there um, and that whole kind of part of North Alabama, of course, it's about 45 minutes east of Muscle Shoals. And we all know, mm. you know, what Muscle Shoals. Um, one cool thing about Decatur is that um, for a year or two, uh, Dwayne and Greg Allman went to high school at Decatur High. And that's actually where they formed the band Hourglass with Johnny Sandlin, wow. who Johnny Sandlin went on to form Capricorn Records. And so that's where all that uh, connection. Okay. So uh, that's history. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, so that, that was pretty cool. But then, yeah, I mean, I'd, and then, you know, growing up in Alabama and I started playing guitar. I moved there from Nebraska and I just gotten the guitar in Nebraska, like months before the move. So I pretty much did all my guitar learning in Alabama. And then, so all of the, those things seep into your, you know, musical bloodstream. Right. I guess. And so it was Skinner and Almond Brothers and, um, you know, other among three, everything three else. guitars. Yeah. Exactly. Three right. guitars. <laughs> and two, and two drummers. Yeah. Uh, with those guys. <laughs> Why not? Love everything. Yeah. Uh, but you know, all that stuff kind of seeps in, um, with everything else that you're learning. And I was, uh, I was in school band. I was a sax player in school band, marching band. We were a very competitive band program too. So, um, marching band concert band jazz band pet band i was in honor band any kind of band you could be in i was in playing alto or barry or barry saxophone and so that's a huge part of my musical uh upbringing because that was my life in high school you know you're there before school practicing and then you have band class and then you have school and then you're after school practice and then you have football games on the weekends and so that was completely my life um, this sounds, in that. This, so it's a big 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 part this sounds very familiar i'm a band father myself i've got a 14 year old son and we just went oh through the he's whole, in the thick of it then is he yes uh the yeah. football What's season the competition season uh early mornings late nights no weekends no. <laughs> i mean it's your it's your life it really yes, does it, I, is. I was, it was funny i was thinking about that yesterday I was watching uh, college football and it was a halftime performance. I was thinking about that. I'm like thinking about 
the work that went into learning one of those shows, oh, man. the marching shows. And now it's like, and I can't even now remember how my band director and I, Ed Nichols, are still close. We still keep in contact and he's a wonderful teacher and a, a great, a wonderful person. And um, just bless his heart trying to put like 300 kids in place on a football field and like, okay, we've got this shape. Now you move here and you move here and get to the next one. It's unbelievable the yeah. amount of work that goes into that. But yeah. it really, um, that set like the work ethic for me to be able to actually just work, 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 work towards this seemingly unattainable goal of having a music, you know, music career. And that was a huge part of it, man. Not yeah. just the, the discipline of doing that every day. No, yeah. I have to, hours I have to, I have every to day. I have to interrupt like I do uh, and say this. That's a part of it that I wouldn't have. I would have never even thought of how high school marching band or even like, um, um, you know, organized band within like a, a school, a school district, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and the competition and all of the building of props and setting everybody in place and learning the dr the drills and her just all of that, how that ever would have helped me take over the world with heavy metal. <laughs> yeah. It, I, it, but, but, oh my God, I'm, I, I'm with you now. I am a believer now. I understand it now because of the, the mathematics and the logistics and the yeah. management and, and the discipline, the discipline is huge. It's huge. It's huge. And it's, I, I'm, it's huge. I'm, and I'm with you, Philip. I mean, I never had any appreciation for this type of thing. In fact, if I was watching a college football game at halftime, that's when I got up and left the room. And yeah, <laughs> now I look at it and it is absolutely phenomenal that they can put together that kind of choreography and orchestrate something like that with so many kids. Uh, and, you know, my wife and I were at every game. I was kind of part of the props crew. So I'm in charge of pushing things, gear out onto the field and clearing the field and loading the truck and all this stuff. It's absolutely. My, like, my parents were right. My parents were right there too. Uh, yeah. I mean, they were, they were band boosters and they were, they were all there too. And just the discipline and all of that. But then just the music that I got exposed to. Um, just by playing in all of these different things in marching band and in concert band, um, you just get all this music put in front of you that you're just playing because it's in front of you, but it's just such a, um, a huge education yeah. uh, playing things and knowing about composers and things that I would have never, never learned about on my own. Yeah. Um, and you just get in that world and it may not be, may not be your favorite um thing and or your thing but you learn to love it and you learn to just have an appreciation appreciation for all these different musics and and uh yeah it was just it was so important and and, and vital to my you know my musical upbringing but this is me as a person it, yeah. just, it totally helped build me and all those wow, things that's so awesome. huge that's so awesome. when, when oh, I, I get when I we get done today, attitude. I'm going to go tell my son that the guitar player for Accept got started in marching band. <laughs> <laughs> What's what does he what does he play? What does he play? Uh, he plays at, at home. He plays multiple instruments, but in the in the band right now, he's the uh, what do they call it? The front line. Uh, God, I don't even know. He plays the xylophone to answer your question. Um, oh, okay, great. Yeah, it's he's from, in the pit. Yeah, the pit. Right. Yeah. Okay. 
And uh, so we just wrapped up band season this weekend. I, I barely got here in time to do this podcast. <laughs> and uh, but he's got his eye on the snare drum next year. And because here at home, he's got a massive drum kit upstairs. So he plays drums, guitar, piano, marimba, uh, xylophone. Wow. So he's 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 plays a little bit of everything. Um, and, and the experience has just been priceless just like you said it, it completely it's, changed everything you know and, and oh, it's fun great. Doing it. yeah tell yeah. him i love it tell him to keep on you know it's, it's a funny drums are my first instrument my brother kevin was a drummer he's 13 years older than me and it's only me and him and so i grew up playing on his drum set the reason i couldn't play drums in school band and like in fifth grade when you start is because i didn't have piano lessons and they made you have piano lessons. They made you have two years of piano lessons because of xylophone. And I was in line. I, I, I actually said, I can play Wipeout. Yeah. None of these kids behind me that you're going to let behind the drum set <laughs> can play Wipeout. Right. I can play Wipeout. And I'm so sorry. That's the rules. And so I was like, well, what am I going to play? And I'm in line. Like, you know, but the, so I'm putting my name in thing and I'm 10 years old. And I had seen the blues brothers movie and the soundtrack was my favorite and i thought blue Lou marini the tenor sax player was the coolest guy on the planet so i said i'll play sax <laughs> that was that was the thought process that, that's why i became a sax player because i couldn't play drums and i love blue marine from the blue brothers band do you oh, still play awesome. sax do you still play i i could I still know the fingerings, but I haven't played in forever. And my loan capacity is complete shit compared to what it used to be. Uh, but I still know that I still can, you know, do a G major scale. I know the chromatic scale still. Nice. Um, I want to, I want to, yeah, let's move, let's move into something else. So, so you, when was the last Ace Freely show that you did or tour that you did uh, as his backup band? Uh, if I, if I said that been, wrong, if I said that wrong, I apologize. No, it would have been. I think we did some shows in the spring of this year yeah. before I uh, before because I went to um, to Europe with Accept this summer because it was um, it was a three month thing, so I knew I was going to have to have a a, a, fill, a fill in or a, or a sub. So yeah, it must have been like the spring of twenty twenty. Okay. 20, that's, that's not 20. that long ago. Oh, really. sorry, 20, sorry, 20, 20, 22. Sorry, this year, 2022. This year. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. were you on any of that leg, that Alice Cooper leg? Oh, yeah, the whole the whole thing, yeah. Yeah, so you yeah. came to Austin. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. 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 I, cool. I saw him. Uh, it was, that was actually the Austin date, if I'm not mistaken, was more like the fall of 2021, because I think it was, that was October. Yeah, we did. All, it was all of September and part of October. Yeah. OK. No, no, no. It, it was it was part of both months. But it was in the fall. Yeah. OK. Because, yeah, we saw you. Uh, it was so it was funny. We were uh, a buddy of mine is connected to Ace and somehow got me on the guest list. So you know how it is when you're when you're on the guest list, you're sitting with other people that are on the guest list. Right. And so yeah. we're sitting in, uh, in our seats and the woman next to us strikes up a conversation with my, with my wife. And it turns out that she's the mother of Ryan. I, I believe I believe she said, my son is on stage with Ace Fraley right now. 
And we were like, what? And she's like, yeah, his name is Ryan. And, and so. Oh, funny. Yeah. So we were sitting next to Ryan's mom. <laughs> That's very cool. I knew she came to Topeka because we, because Ryan's from Topeka, Kansas. And I okay. know that she came to that show. I'm not, I forgot, I forgot if I think she may have come to Texas too, to see one. Yeah. It, it might, it could have oh, been, great. it could have been Jeremy's mom. It was, it was somebody, it was one of the guitar players. Moms was okay. sitting next to us. And it wasn't mine. No, it wasn't your mind. No, no, no. (laughs) But um, so, yeah, talk to us a little bit about um, maybe we should go in chronological order because I I believe you were playing with you were you played with Gene before Ace. Is that correct? So that's right. Yeah. So so take us back to that. How does that initial offer land on the table? <laughs> Is it an audition? I mean, did you hear about a line you had to stand in? Well, <laughs> no, it came from Ryan Cook. Uh, Ryan knew Gene and kind of knew um, Doc and all that world more. You know, we we we'd met them and a couple times, but Ryan kind of knew them. And Ryan had a band um, called Big Rock Show that Jeremy was in, Jeremy Asbrock was in, and they had done every, almost every Kiss Cruise. It was like mm-hmm. 80s, you know, 80s kind of hit band, uh, autograph, Bon Jovi, things like that. And on one of the cruises, he met with Gene, and Gene asked him to put together a band for a handful of solo shows that he had the following year. Mm-hmm. That year was 2017, so the meeting happened in 2016. And so Ryan's like, I've got the guy's, now i know exactly who i'm gonna ask so that's how it worked and gene didn't care who it was what we looked like where we lived he was like i don't care he's like i'm putting you in charge ryan you 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 can put together a good kind of pickup rock and roll band with that kind of with the you know for hire kind of guys um this this band this this band i'm sorry to interrupt nashville guys people yeah yeah. okay just make it yeah so it was um i'd known ryan for 10 years uh jeremy for 20 and so we were, and we were friends, and the reason that we're all friends is because of Kiss. Wow. The reason, so right. so that's even mm-hmm. that's even a thing to throw in there, and it makes it even kind of a little bit even cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was it, and so we, the band was arranged and put together. Uh, Gene came to Nashville for a rehearsal, and it went extremely well. And he was like, you know, I we we met him, but like it was in passing. It would never really like you know working with him or anything right. it wasn't like it wasn't in an sr rehearsal room you know working on arrangements of old r&b songs like we were doing it was like mm. fuck he's awesome he's great he just came in from from the from minute one he was immediately put us at ease um working with him was great he was wow. asking all of us he goes oh how should we end this how should we get to let me hear what you're playing there and I'll sing something different. You know, all that stuff. He was very into working out these things as a band and he was awesome. And he just got more awesome as the tour went on. So five shows is what the original thing was. So five shows turned into two years of international touring with Gene and, and turned into the ACE gig too. So it was, um, we did, one show in Vancouver, which was like a private, like a corporate gig, but Gene was a, a keynote speaker at this kind of like, you know, executive convention. That was the first thing. Then the first kiss gig that we did, kind of kiss fan gig that we did was at Cleveland, the Agora. And uh, we broke the internet. 
because we that's when we pulled out all the obscure like got love for sale charisma and see you tonight and radioactive and all these things that wow. you know fans wanted to hear it's like we knew what we had and uh so we hit it and it was awesome and then promoters started calling so that's how it turned into you know more and more and more work you said early that you were working out arrangements with him in the studio and you mentioned like old R&B covers. So uh, what, what what was the set list like? How much of it was I was assuming this was all Kiss classics, but it sounds like it was a mix of things. Everything except that very first show was Kiss classics. The first one was like the private gig. So okay. he he felt and probably that was a very good call that they weren't going to know charisma. They're right. not going to know see you in your dreams they're not going to know that stuff like like kiss fans are what kind of so, kiss, what kind of kiss fan are those people that don't know charisma and see you in your dreams i gotta go they're not exactly i'm leaving if they don't know what those are anyway yeah, the, yeah his point is they weren't Kiss fans. It was corporate. It was a corporate gig. A bunch of oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I understand. Yes, that. it was. It was. It was more. Uh, it was more casual. It was. It was that. Uh, the the executive Fortune five hundred. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was one he of those things. Peter, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Prominent, that makes sense. Tr- Justin Trudeau. Trudeau was there. Wow. You know, oh, wow. it was that kind yeah. of. You know, it's that kind of a thing. So business presentation. We did the Kiss. Right. We did the big, we did the big, big monster hits, but then we did like money. Um, we did like um, a few that I can't, uh, Treat Her Right by Roy Head. Um, we've kind of like, he pulled out some pretty deep R&B cuts. Gene is an old R&B soul, like yeah. encyclopedia. Wow. Yeah. Um, he knows the publisher, he knows the writer, he knows the labels, he knows the year. And so we pulled out some of that stuff, um, five or six tunes of that. And that's what we were kind of working on mainly at the rehearsal. Cause we all knew the kiss stuff. We wanted to play the kiss stuff with them at the rehearsal, but we needed to work on the art, all these kind of different songs. So once that was done, that one show was done. That's when he reached out and said, what are, what other kind of cool kiss tunes can we do? And we were like, okay you know here this is what we wanted to do right so then we started throwing him at him and he really 95 percent of what we suggested to him over the course of two years he was cool with wow he was was very brave if we had the lyrics written out for him he would do pretty much anything yeah he was pretty brave about that he was like you think i'll go over we're like yeah yeah we think i'll go over do you have the lyrics we can have the lyrics. Okay, we'll do it. He was very, very easy and wow. very brave. I yeah. think it's really cool that he trusted you. That was my question. It's like, you know, because we'll talk about Ace in a minute, but Ace has been touring as a basically a solo performer for decades now. So his set list is fairly well established. But I don't think of Gene Simmons as a solo act, and I don't think of him as a solo performer and touring and that sort of thing. So I have no preconception of what his set list is, whereas Ace, I can probably guess the set list. So you walk right. into this situation And that was my question is how open was he to your suggestions? And it sounds like he was very open. And I think that's really cool of him. Was there anything he he wouldn't play? Was there anything Uh, he refused? We we tried like hell to get love him, leave him in there. And he wouldn't do it. And they just did it on the fucking cruise. (laughs) Mm. We tried like hell to get that one in there. And also larger than life. Um, oh, he thought he thought he thought larger than life. He's like, oh, that one's kind of slow. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's what's good about it. It would be so heavy with all three of us. And we tried like hell for those two. Um, 
of everything else, he was pretty, he was like, you know, great. He was yeah. cool with some things stayed the whole time. Like I think charisma stayed every show. That one we played really wow. well. It's got those very cool, uh, odd vocal harmonies in yeah. there too. And we all sang too. Um, so that was very cool. We had a five piece band and we had no crew, none. We, it was just the five people traveling together. So we were with Gene all the time. We traveled with him. We rode from the airport to the hotel with him. We had dinner at the hotel with him. We had breakfast with him. We had catering at the venue with him. We like, we were with him all the time. That, okay. uh, Now you, now you, you just jumped right into my next question. It's like, uh, what, what is it like? Uh, you know, we're all very familiar with the persona of Gene Simmons, of well, course. Who tuned his bass? <laughs> hey, there you go. I mean, I, I want to shake the hand that tuned Gene's bass. Oh, wait, I have already. Yeah, that, there you that go. was me. That was me. I was his bass tech. You lucky dog. Uh, so, um, so, uh, yeah. So tell me, is, is there a moment where you're you're touring with him and you're in such close quarters? Are there are there you know a memorable moment when you're having breakfast at the hotel or you're riding in the back of a limo or something where Gene is just you know just uh, drops a punchline on you or, or something? You get something that the rest of us don't get to see because you're so close to him. Yeah, all the time. Um, kind of like like he is on Family Jewels, like with his family and just like he was. That's what we got the whole time. Um, we always had, he was great to hang out with. It's a great to have any conversation with, cause he knows a little bit about everything. Um, yeah. and, um, I'd never been around somebody that a wealthy and <laughs> b that famous. Yeah. And so it was interesting just to, to, to see how somebody like that just reacts to certain, not even really anything bad happening, just reacts to things. And how different it was from my point of view. It's like, wow, he's been he's been incredibly famous and rich since his mid twenties. Yeah. And here and just like going, wow. And but then also seeing like how incredibly humble he is and how incredibly grateful he is for his life. Um and the main thing I took away from the entire experience was I never, never heard him even close to complaining one time. Wow. Wow. Which wow. was pretty big. And that, and I don't mean like Hey, this monitor sounds like shit. That, that to me is not complaining. That's like, fix this. Right. Do your job, fix it. Yeah. And, but I mean, like, never, oh, my feet hurt. How long is this flight? I got to do a meet and greet now. Nothing. Wow. Not even extremely grateful for every person he met and that paid for a meet and greet and that bought a base that came to a show. Incredibly grateful for his life. He truly, truly is. Um, and that was a, a thing. But to, um, there was one, there was one time we were all riding together on somewhat of a, not the best shuttle van, shuttle bus from like a casino gig in Wisconsin to the airport somewhere. And we're sitting there and it's cold. This is the winter and we're cold and talking and Gene's telling some stories that we actually hadn't heard in his book, which was cool. Cause he would every once in a while, he would like, Oh, we've heard that one, but he'd eventually spill some cool stuff that was not in there. So we're listening, all talking, laughing, being guys in a band. Yeah. With Gene, with, with fucking Gene. <laughs> and, uh, and he's looking at us and he's like, oh man, he goes, this is just like we used to do in the station wagons. He goes, this is really cool. And Ryan leans forward and goes, can we just skip the Budokan 77, please? <laughs> but it was, <laughs> it was really cool how like he just liked, it seemed like he really enjoyed being, you know, one of the guys in the band. 
Yeah. You know, and we'd, we would always, we would always give him his own dressing room because he always had a different, you know, schedule, meet and greets and interviews, but never failed. If, if we had more places to sit down, he'd come into our place and sit down. Or if we didn't, he'd, he'd knock on the door and be like, what are you guys doing in here? I've got way more couches in here. And he'd bring us over into his room. And we were always like, you know, always very cool about giving him his space, but he never really wanted it. That's he, wow. <laughs> he would always come hang out with us. That's awesome. I love to hear that. You so guys that, gave, gave him the respect and just out of like, just because probably. And, uh, you know, he's the draw and you guys know that. And, totally, totally. It's Gene but, Simmons. That's totally, yes, it's him. You know, but, we in, insert four faces behind him and it's still going to be the Gene right, Simmons. Right. You know what I mean? But the yeah. fact that he was like going, hey man, no, I got what do you guys, you know, don't slum it over here. Why don't you come over here? I'll take this room. You guys, he was doing that. Well, he was always not, we wouldn't switch room, but he would always make us come hang out with him. You know what I mean? Like, so he, he'd stay in. Yeah, exactly. But he'd stay in there with us and we'd all eat together. And yeah, we were, we were like with him. That's the main difference between the ACE gig and the Gene gig is we see ACE on stage and we saw Gene when we woke up, you know? Yeah. Wow. Pretty much. So I, Gene, I realized Gene had, Gene had separation anxiety and Ace did not. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> so I, I, I realize, of course, you're a professional and, and, and this is the reason you get these gigs is because you, you, you know your boundaries and you stay within them and obviously you're musically talented. But at some point with Gene Simmons, is there a moment where you slide him one of your childhood LPs and go, hey, man, would you sign this for me? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were we were always very very respectful about that, not killing him with stuff, but Oh, absolutely. You got all the stuff. I, I, Oh yeah. 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 I got some cool things to sign. And Ryan would find stuff that like from his, you know, middle school notebook, you know, and, and, and like drawings he'd made of Gene or, or tracings or, and just the logo and he'd bring it to show Gene. And, you know, it's like, Oh, wow. And Gene would so this is yours from back then. It was like, yeah, I was like 12 and he'd sign it. You know, he, he was, he was always very cool about that because he That's gets amazing. it. And when we were, I mean, we were fans anyway, you know, the three of us are friends before, you know, because of kiss way before we got the gig with half the band. Yeah. You know, which is weird um, to say, but we, you know, we were fans first and foremost, and he knew that, and you know, we were super respectful of, of his stature um, and his time. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, we didn't want to take advantage. think we wouldn't want to take advantage of our position in the band, but you no, know, he was very cool about signing things and meeting, you know, close friends coming to hang out. Very cool with meeting them and meeting family members and things like that. So wow. Christopher, Christopher, I, Christopher Williams. Did he play with Gene or Ace? Uh, actually both because Christopher oh, okay. did the, Christopher did the Australia tour where we were ace open for gene and we were the band okay so he did that tour and then from australia we went to japan with only ace and did eight shows so christopher was on that tour too wow that's amazing so so you and christopher both end up and accept from coming off of this kit this these kiss gigs kind of sort of but before before that christopher myself and Jeremy Asbrock from the Ace and Gene band, we had a Kiss co tribute cover band. 
that, uh, in Nashville that played once a year. We weren't like an active one that made that, okay, that played right. a lot of shows. Yeah. We played once a year for charity at, at Christmas time, um, and uh, at the Exit Inn uh, here in Nashville, and it ran for I don't know. It ran for seven years or eight years something and we'd sell the place out um and it was uh it was a toy and food drive too and so you you know we it was uh it was fun and that's where we we would do like three hour sets and we would do everything they don't play yeah sounds and familiar it was of, yeah that does sound it was, yeah, it, it was the three of us um and our friend et brown was gene i was paul um and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and it was absolutely exhausting yes. to do seventy-eight era Paul Stanley for three hours. Um, but I was in fantastic shape and could sing it, and I can't do it anymore. So, <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> but that band got kind of weird. We did one year once we had the Gene gig, and then the next year we had the Ace gig too, and it was a little bit. It felt weird, so we stopped doing it. So the. Yeah, Jason was talking about how this sounds familiar because I don't know if you're aware, but Jason had a, a cover band, a Kiss tribute band that was called Sick. And Oh, yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they also did all the songs that Kiss no longer did. So it was always yeah. it was always really cool. Did we, you do we, did rip, we, we, we did Rip and Destroy. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, then we, and we even sang it faster. You know how on the movies I have a sync? Yeah. It's like mm, rip, rip rip and destroy yeah, you, we yeah. sang it we sang it like that so we were like super nerd deep nerdy about everything <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh, so it sounds to me then like the 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 ace gig was sort of almost like a seamless handoff that you kind of what did ace say just say hey uh i need some backup guys and and gene says well i'm done with this band for now you could take these guys I think it kind of went like that because it was in Australia when things started happening because we only reason we did the Australia tour was for logistics was because it made sense to not fly Ace's band out there and do mm -hmm. hotels and everything. When he we already played with Ace and Gene at, at an event where Ace played like four or five songs with with us as a Gene band. So he knew that Gene's band could sing and play well and knew all the material. So I think Ace asked Gene if it was okay, then Gene asked us, he goes, do you guys mind doing this? We're like, you know, no, you know, whatever, work everything out and we'll, and, and we'll do both. We can, we know the songs. And so that was how it started was just, just logistics. And then the Japan thing was like, well, we're already going to be, we're already on that side of the globe. So yeah. we're going to do Japan too. And then that'll be it. But go back to the regular band. And then we started doing it, and then Ace started liking the harmony aspect and liking just how we sounded and played as a band and like how he sounded with us. And then he asked us to do the Kiss Cruise. And that was the year we, had, we were getting off of this tour and almost immediately going on the Kiss Cruise. And Ace was on the cruise that year. And so we were going to be his cruise band. And then that turned into a run of shows in Florida after the cruise. And then it was like, okay, you guys are, if you guys want the gig, it's yours. Wow. Cause and Gene, she, Gene was, that's when the end of the road tour was kicking off. So Gene was going to be busy for, you know, X number of years. Right. Uh, were, you were playing bass in Ace's band. Is that right? Yeah. I volunteered because it was four guitar players. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was okay. Like, oh, okay. I was like, I, I'll do it. 
you know, right. I'll totally okay. do it. And I'm really glad I did. I, I had a, I have a ball playing bass. Awesome. That band, I, I remember uh, reading a lot of comments on the, on the internet and people were very specific about talking about how great Ace's backing band was on that last run. And then I saw you, in person with my own two eyes and, and heard you guys. And I got to say, you, you guys were just great. Cause I've seen Ace play on numerous occasions Thanks. with very other guys. Uh, and it's always, a, it's always fine, you know, but there was something super tight about this last go around. And I think it's a credit to, to you guys uh, backing him Thank up. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. We just, we just, we know the material and we play it like it goes. Yeah. Like we just play everything right. And the, with, with um, now it's Zach Throne in my place uh, with Ace. Uh, but, but me or Zach, Zach's a ridiculously awesome singer and a musician. And so vocally, because again, Matt Starr sings too. So you've mm. got five singers on stage. Um, so all the harmonies are there. All the parts are there. All the guitar harmonies are right. All the all everything's just right. You know, we play it. We play it the way we'd want to hear it. Yeah, you know, we, we if if we went and saw Gene Simmons' band, and it was the way that we do it, it'd be like, okay, I still want to be up there, but those guys did a damn good job. Yeah, and that's how we would go. That's how we would look at gigs like that. I yeah, I, I've seen Ace numerous times over the years, and I, I I probably am not exaggerating when I say that last time was the best performance as far as the band being tight and and everything you just said. Awesome. The, har the vocal harmonies were crazy. Uh, the the quality of musicians across the board, every instrument was dialed in. It was great, man. You guys made them look really good. Awesome. Thanks very much. That's what yeah. that's what Gene Gene would always thank us for making them look good. Yeah, <laughs> it sound good. Well, a, a, I mean, Ace is Ace, and you know, I'm a big fan, so I, I'm always happy to see him. But there was definitely some added firepower up there. So you, awesome. you thank you. You uh, you mentioned that uh, with Gene, you got to spend basically 24 seven with him uh, when you're touring with him, and not so much with Ace. Uh, but was, were there any times with Ace where you had like some private random moments, like somewhere like breakfast at a hotel or, or, you know, back, you know, dressing room or whatever, where you see something, you hear something from Ace, a story or whatever that you hadn't heard before, something that we all haven't heard before. Uh, all of those moments kind of happened on the gene tour with, with Ace in Australia. Cause it was all of us hanging out together. Yeah. Um, whether it was at a backstage somewhere or it was like a, a airport lounge yeah. or walking through, walking through an airport behind those two guys. What is that? And, like? it, <laughs> and that, that's, that was even, it's funny because playing, it's funny because playing with them is, was incredible. There were so many moments on stage where you're like, what the hell, <laughs> you know, but then when you're just walking through an airport with behind those two guys and it's just like the, a moment like that when you take with the lights off and you know clothes just you know traveling clothes on or whatever just walking through with your bag and looking and you're like sitting down in an airport like lounge and having coffee and just like watching those two guys like show youtube clips to each other about no telling what it is but you know playing songs it's just like oh, those guys there's a big love there because gene and ace when they would bunk rooms back in like 74, uh, they would share rooms together. Wow. And so there's a, there's a big, big love for those two guys that people might not think that 
um, that exists, but there really is a lot of love between those two. Um, they could not be more different, like completely like uh, opposite ends of, of the biggest spectrum on the, in the universe. Uh, but there's a big, big respect there for, for, for those guys. And it was just kind of surreal a lot, just sitting there, you know, being that the fans that I could speak for the guys, you know, being the fans that we are just like, how the hell did this happen? Yeah. You know, there's always a special moment when Ace would come out at the end of the show with the, on the Australian tour and play. And the last two nights, I think he did Deuce. And Deuce is, I think, maybe the first guitar solo that I ever picked out myself uh, on guitar. And so, and that's one of the things that he absolutely nails like it's 1975 every time he plays it. It's just there. And so I'd always get back and we would always back up and it would be Gene and Ace, you know, you know, doing that. We'd all sing it together. We always back up with the guitar solo and it'd be Gene and Gene would even do some of the old moves and stuff. And Ace would be doing the knee knocked thing like that. And we'd just be standing there looking at those two fucking guys and like, well, look at, look at each other. You can see it on video. We're just like open mouth, like, can you believe this? You know, how cool is this? And, yeah. uh, and it was, just, it was great. That, those, that tour was a lot of fun just because it was, you know, it may never happen again. And what lucky Australian fans got to see a really, really cool show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you have any future with Gene or Ace, uh, that, that you're, that you know of, is there any plans in the work for something down the line? I know that uh, Gene has kind of hinted that uh, when, when, when Kiss is, uh, you know, as long as Kiss is doing the end of the road tour, that's where his, um, his, uh, that's where his time is going to go. But he's kind of hinted at all of us that, you know, as soon as that's finished, that he may go out for some, for some other shows. I can't see him. I mean, even if he will be like 75 by the time they get done, I can't really see him sitting around. Yeah, you know that that guy does not sit around at all. He's got a work ethic that you know works circles around all of us combined. Wow! Um, but yeah, I don't see him sitting around, so we'll see. I'd I'd love to. I'd love to do some more shows. Yeah. Um, what's up next for Accept? Accept uh, has a European tour starting in January. Okay. Goes to the end of February, and then we're going to South America in April. I think nine or 10 shows. I think, I don't think wow. all of them have been, been announced, but we're, we're down there for a little bit. Um, that'll be fun. Going down there is always awesome. So you and, have Jason uh, on speed dial now, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How's your Spanish? How's your Portuguese? You know, Terrible. <laughs> His English isn't that great. <laughs> About as good as my memory of accept lyrics. Yeah. Oh man. I do my best. He but, has the greatest, the greatest like analog teleprompter <laughs> I've ever I've ever seen. Yeah. We're familiar with it. around here oh, somewhere. It's, it's, it's incredible. If, if the if the viewers haven't seen this, they're really missing out. Well, we showed it on a on a previous episode where we talked about his his time with Accept and he uh, played show and tell with it. So uh, it's amazing. Yeah. 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 But it's yeah, in the up, summer, uh, not up on eBay not, yet. Not, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the summer will be, I'm not sure what's happening with the summer, but, um, uh, winter and spring, it will be somewhere for the summer. And then a new album will be 
thrown somewhere in there too. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, man, your, your, uh, your stories and your career of just, uh, you know, we couldn't wait to have you on the show and pick your rain Cause we're, we're kiss freaks and huge accept fans. And I mean, wow. Who can say that they've done what you've done. So, uh, obviously we wanted to get you on the show and pick your brain a little bit. So let me ask you, let me ask you this. What, what, what about before, you know, Gene and Ace and before accept when, you know, did you, when you, how long have you been in Nashville? Almost 20 years. Okay. Where were you uh, this, right this before March, that? It'll be 19, Alabama. Okay. And uh, I'd kind of graduated high school and went to college, to college, and okay. did a couple more colleges, and that didn't work out. Um, you have I ended a, up moving to, was did that? you have a recording? Were you in a band recording and touring at all before, I was, before Nashville? I, yeah, and nothing was ever nothing was ever going to go any further okay. than the, what, than the level that we were doing. It was not, nothing was ever, I never had a chance like to get a record deal or to get a full on tour with a, with a band until I got to Nashville. So when I get to Nashville, it's where my kind of professional career starts. Wow. Okay. Um, I've been playing the whole time, but yeah. not really on any kind of professional level still just striving to get there so i moved to nashville when i was 29 wow so I was a, uh, i've been a late bloomer in everything my entire life so wow. this is no uh this has been no different that's, in, that's just seems so like odd to me because you're an amazing musician um i would love to hear Thank some you. of your own material which that's where my question is kind of going um so you didn't, I mean, you're 29, you get to Nashville. Was it just like studio work? Were you, were you collaborating with anyone? It was, I moved up. I was in two bands. Um, and then I got an audition, um, with a country guy, David Lee Murphy. And this okay. is in 2005. Okay. I've been there for a year, um, a little over a year. And, um, and I was always, quick i was always a quick learner i liked playing other people's music i i liked that idea of that but i just hadn't done it before because i was in i wasn't where it happened until now you know i was in nashville and so i got i came in second but i got the gig six months later and so that was my first gig in the country world but i looked like i looked like this i had a les paul at my knees that's why i got the gig when i moved to town Luckily, it was at a time when country artists were looking more for like a Leonard Skinner, Almond Brothers, Southern Rock gunslinger type guy than a Telecaster chicken picker guy. Yeah. So I got work just being completely who I was. And I got my first gig through playing rock gigs, being seen and going, that guy has the right sound. And I did. I, I didn't play any. I still can't play any country. Um, I was just playing southern rock blues based you know pentatonic sure. <laughs> you know that kind of thing but making it work i'm a one trick pony and that's the one trick i know but i can make that trick work in a lot of different situations mm. and that was why i started getting hired with country people because they it's like well that guy has a cool look and you know once word got around i only did that first audition with david lee everything else after that was word of mouth and so wow. I did country gigs. I did country gigs for a good 10 years 
um, wow. before I before the Gene Simmons thing came I up. I mean, like, I was always. I feel like you're. I was always doing stuff in town. Yeah, I feel like you're this sort of like underground hero or kind of like this like secret top secret weapon that you had to someone just had to walk in and go who the fuck is that guy we why heck, uh, that guy need, hey you need to come over here man like and it's like you're you're 29 30 years what the where have you been you know i feel it like took, there's a, it lot took a lot of, of like it took a lot of like shaking people <laughs> like a baby like it, it felt like shaking nashville like come on wow. you know but it was just me it was just i took every gig that I, that I was available to take over those yeah. years and was always doing things in town, um, okay. cover stuff or, or, you know, those things like that. And then the, then the, uh, the rock and roll residency started and that was a weekly uh, thing that we had um, that ran for, for years and years. And that kind of helped put, and that was, I'd been in town 10 years at that point. So Nashville is a, for me, it was a 10 year town. Uh, and that kind of helped put my like foot down i'm like all right you want a rock guy i'm your rock guy mm. and that was where i don't the, the main thing that I, I guess the main gig for me that happened was accept was because that's how christopher got the gig the drum christopher williams got the drum gig kind of from um the residency because wolf um peter had started coming and saw christopher play and he's like i think he's pretty good and was like yeah there's no better metal drummer in town than that guy you know, he can, he can play it. So then I kind of filtered in there too. Um, so that was kind of a, a big thing. Um, but it, it definitely took, I, I definitely came to Nashville to work and I, I took every single gig that I could take regardless of the type of music or who it was, um, you know, what it paid. It just, I wanted to work and I wanted to get my name. I wanted to get my face out there. I wanted to get my playing out there. Um, so and I've only recently stopped taking things. <laughs> it's like you can yeah. you can relax a little bit, dude. <laughs> right. You're yeah. you're okay. I'll take let's take everything. Um yeah. but yeah, the, the country stuff, you know, it was it was great. I paid bills for you know, ten years on a bus. Yeah. You know, not really playing anything that out of my wheelhouse. So it was, were uh, you, it was were, great. Were you, were you but you weren't collaborating with, with these country artists, you were just a hired gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. very, All right. very few country, very few Nashville touring country bands actually are on the records. Right. No, I knew uh, that. Very I, few of them I just are. thought you might have had, you know, might get a check from somebody going, hey, come in here. I need a, what would you do on the bridge? And, you know, you got maybe got a credit. I don't know. Yeah. Didn't get to I totally anything. would love. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, me and Ryan and Jeremy have finished a record um of original stuff cool and uh we are so we're just like that we we kind of know what's going to happen with it but it's still really early but it sounds it sounds like we like we sound kind of we worked with marty Fredrickson on it oh okay. and um with marty's help uh ryan has known marty for years and now we've, we've known marty for several years now too um so having him in there uh co-writing and producing was 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 pretty awesome yeah um so we're we're really proud of how it sounds and how it came out so um we're uh yeah so that will be out in the future i don't know cool. I, I can't even put a date on it but yeah we're, we're we're digging it and uh i think it's the final i think we've heard the final mixes 
So yeah, it sounds great. I'm playing bass in that too. So awesome. I'm wow. the bass. I'm the bass player now. Cool. Wow. Man, well, we'll look out for that and uh, keep us posted so we know when to expect that. And uh, meantime, of course, sure. continued success in all you you do uh, with Accept and uh, any future projects with Gene or Ace and uh, anything else you do, man. Uh, the stories were great. Thank you for joining us today and being with us. I really, really got a kick out of it. Yeah, I, uh, I thanks think, for thanks for asking me. I think that your your name um, needs to be more common. <laughs> it's, in circles, I feel like Philip Schaus should be this like regular, oh, you know, Philip Schaus. But, you know, I think that it won't take long from now before you're kind of a household rock and roll name. But, yeah. But, or a household name. Household. There you go. See, sense yeah. of humor, too. Can make fun of themselves. I've, All of them. I've got a million of these. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. Don't <laughs> yeah. Have you, have you gotten an email from him, Jason? From... From Phil. It's Philip Schaus. I don't yeah. know. I mean, no, uh, his signature says Schaus it out loud. Oh, really? No, <laughs> yeah. I guess I, I guess I'm not that cool yet. Uh, see, he does have a number of these things up his sleeve. My, yeah. pu- my publishing my publishing name is Schauses of the Holy. Oh. <laughs> good. So, yeah, oh got, boy. Wind him up. Wind him up. Here he goes. Well, well it was uh, I'm going to get the hook in a second. <laughs> The gorilla arm, (laughs) gong, right? Yeah. Yeah. Real quick, it was really awesome working with you on the road and the shows that we got to do with. Except, I, I, you are a a star. You are a pro. You made me feel so comfortable. You, uh, you helped me know when to come in correctly on the songs. (laughs) (laughs) I really appreciate. I, I was his, uh, I was like, I'll check you into the boards when it's time to he, come into the, the he was, second. He was cueing me a lot. I, I asked him, please cue me. Like, just, you know, like total, like body check me so I know that I'm coming in in the right place. You know, um, I just appreciate your your attitude and everything and your, your total pro. And uh, it was just great working with you and, and meeting you for the first time. Yeah. So, yeah. Likewise, Jason, we, I, I'm, the guys did on behalf of them, but personally, it was great to meet you finally. And uh, it was all of those things. It was, it was a pleasure. Awesome. Really awesome. And thanks for being on the show. Dave's going to take us out. Yeah, but I, absolutely. I appreciate your time today. So, Hey, did, did my, did my Jason Halloween costume actually get on the show? Or was that before we recorded? Oh, everything. I hit record, right? Right. When you came on, there I hit record. Is. Yeah. There's okay, your there Jason McMaster Halloween costume. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. awesome. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today on another episode of the Talk Louder podcast. On behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave, along with Jason's twin, Philip Schaus, guitarist for Accept on the Talk Louder podcast today.